As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. I have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. It's been a long time since we've been together like this, right? It's been what? How long? Two days? <laughs> <laughs> But this is a Warriors Plus Minus edition, which only means we are in the confines of our home. Well, two of us are. (laughs) One of us has been chased out of his home. Scrambled. (laughs) Scrambled out of there by construction workers to try to find a semi-quiet spot. But I believe it's been accomplished. We shall see. But yeah, I've had had to move on the fly. We had to rejigger this whole thing to make sure I can actually be heard or I could actually hear anything. And off we go. That is Tim Kawakami. This is Marcus Thompson. We've got Anthony Slater. And we've got a Western Conference Finals matchup. Did you think we'd be here when the season began? When the season began? No. I don't think Dallas did. Dallas traded Kristaps Porzingis at the deadline, and it didn't seem like the er- an urgent-type move to, like, let's compete now, right? When teams usually make big deadline moves. It was more, let's get Porzingis off the roster. They'll take the essentially... I don't want to call it dead money in Dinwiddie and Bertans, but it didn't feel like it was, you know, to reconfigure a core that was going to make some run, but it worked. Dallas surged. Phoenix faded against them. We can get into that a little if you want, but this matchup materialized suddenly. Honestly, I started to think this was a possibility late in the season. I will say that. I thought the Warriors were just faded to play Phoenix. I did 62 wins or whatever the hell it was should mean something. It almost always does mean something. You at least get to the conference finals. I think we all kind of saw there was some softness in the Suns, but I thought just, you know, pedigree would, would come out. And that did not happen. I am stunned. Although, you know, I had a Warriors person saying, you know, it was before game six saying, you know what? Phoenix is kind of the team we want to play. Like, we don't like not having home court if we play Phoenix, but and we, you know, would like having home court against Dallas, but we kind of like the way we match up against Phoenix and not so sure about Dallas. That's what the first one was saying. This is before the Warriors even planned. So maybe there was something to it. Luca is an obvious thing that 
everybody has to deal with. But I'm surprised. I'm surprised Phoenix just didn't find a way to get through that. I thought they were the better team. I thought they were the deeper team. I thought they were the deepest team in the West. I thought 62 wins really meant something. And turns out in game seven, it meant nothing. I am surprised to be at this point. No question. It was pretty resounding. The Warriors felt like they could beat Phoenix. <laughs> it just There was a lot of people who felt like we can beat Phoenix. And they did. You know, Part of it was they did. But if you just look at Phoenix, they just had places the Warriors can exploit. And Luka, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Didwitty, they did exactly that. They exploited them. I don't know. It, it, it does feel like that was the mountain that needed to be climbed, though, the Phoenix. I don't know that this is a harder series, but it's a trickier oh, I series. I think with Phoenix, think they were going to like dictate a lot of the action, and like you know, they were going to try to use Draymond to really exploit Aiton, and it just felt like they were hunting, as we talked about even during the last podcast. They would have been hunting, even going to try to steal a game uh, out of the first two. Whereas this one, you could argue, is could end up being an easier series, but it's just they are going to have to adjust to some of the stuff that the Mavericks do. And the Mavericks are coming after them in the first couple of games. And I think there's just a little bit more fear about this matchup because it's not as traditional for them. I think Dallas is weird. They don't have the defensive players that Phoenix does, but I think they're a better defense. That Jason Kidd throwing up some magic. They are playing really good defense. They absolutely shut down Chris Paul in the final three games of the series. Now, maybe some of that is Paul just tiring out, but that's what you get credit for. Can we and can we get Patrick Beverly on the podcast for, <laughs> for this segment? What's going on? He was going off on season three these days. Uh, hey, this is the time to do it. But like they played the Warriors tough. To, I mean, we all know the Warriors didn't have all their guys in their matches when they went one and three. But I don't recall a time when I thought the Warriors like had the Mavericks figured out offensively. They had some trouble. It's that you know Jason Kidd kind of tricked up defense, stopped Steph. You know, defend the three. We've seen it before. We've seen it a lot. Saw Memphis do a lot of it. I think that's going to cause the Warriors some problems. They're going to try to force Draymond and Looney and whoever else, Kaminga, whoever else playing to shoot and take the ball out of Steph's and Clay's hands. Like, we've seen it. I think there's going to be some and, – and the pressure's on Warriors. they got to win these first two games. Like, they love going elsewhere and winning that one of those two road games. they got to defend their court now. they got to, you know, make sure they win these two games. Then it could be quick if they lose one of them. I'm talking about like six, seven game series. And, and I, I do think this could go deep. I think it's seven. I picked it in seven. The differing defensive tactics in this series will be, especially early, will be interesting to monitor. I read your piece. It was your, your uh, preview. I, the whole thing was great. And, you know, I like the fact that you mentioned Kaminga. I hadn't really thought about him as a potential guard Doncic, but I, I think they're going to play a lot of zone or, or box in one, you know, because that's what they did against Jokic. They don't have the personnel other than Wiggins to really match up with, with Donjic, and you got to switch, and then they got pool guarding him. I, I mean, I just don't think they're going to want that. That's you, you solve that by playing some zone, right? Box and one, do mess around with them a little bit. You put Clay on him in a box and one, whatever, and lean people towards them. I, I just can see some of that happening. I think it's going to be a lot of uh, Wiggins and then Draymond to close. I think because the the difference with Dallas. Even though I think they're going to be incredibly tough to match up with because they have three offensive creators on the floor when they close in uh, Luka, Dinwiddie, and Brunson. The difference is the back line, right? They don't have any. They don't have people in the back line who the Warriors have to worry about. So Kleep is a decent rim protector, uh, but not so, to, but not scoring. On the, he's not scoring on the back line. He's not scoring on the back line. Oh, oh, you mean like as a lob guy? 
Yeah. I'm just saying that like there's Adam, no reason yeah, yeah, for Draymond yeah. to stay in the paint. Yeah, there's Adam's no reason to need him there. Yeah, Adam Darren Jacks is what we're talking about, I think, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yes. No, this isn't Clint Capella. My bad. I thought you meant defense. A lot of Draymond on Luca down the stretch. Like, I mean, obviously he's gonna defend on foul trouble. I don't know that uh Wiggins is big enough. <laughs> but to me, Kaminga makes sense because you just gotta you gotta have somebody physical on Luca. You can't have somebody who you can just push around. So I'd be curious to see how Wiggins hand, handles it, but that's just a lot of body. Wiggins guarded him pretty well this season when it was like operating in in you know isolation or or, or pick and roll settings where it's really you know they want Powell on the court because you could play Looney, you could do drop coverage, Wiggins can trail. Like it, it's much easier for them to defend Luca. Powell's on the court. Powell won't be on the court much. It'll be mostly be Cleva five out. And the problem to me isn't, you know, Wiggins against them or Draymond at times. The problem is you saw it in the last Dallas game. If the Warriors are going to switch, Dallas plays a very patient style. Well, they'll get the switch and then they'll drag it out and just let Luka go against it. And if they are going to, and I don't think they should, but they did the last time. If they just let Luka pick his defender and go at him, he ain't going to pick Wiggins. He's going to pick Curry. He's going to pick Poole. Poole's going to have a massive target on his back in this series. That's going to be a problem. That's where the zone comes in, though. <laughs> I do think I do think that's where it goes. On. Yes, they're going to need to be creative, and, and, and you know, I don't think they want to double, but I thought it was really interesting. I mean, it's what I put in the preview, and maybe it was just Steph Curry's frustration at the time. But the Warriors had lost seven and nine. But the way that fourth quarter played out, the last time these two saw each other, where Steph took zero shots in twelve minutes, the, and he played all twelve minutes of the fourth, zero shots. And then because every time he was crossing half court, we should get to that side of the ball. Jason Kidd was doubling him like crazy. And Jason Kidd will double him in the series. And on the other side, they were letting Luca just match up hunt, go one on one. And he kept scoring. And Steph post game. I mean, I put the quote in my article, but he said you very rarely hear Steph like talk tactics like this post game. Pretty, pretty honestly, we got to get more aligned on what we're trying to do defensively. They were trying to hunt isolations and it seemed like they had the whole court to work with. Maybe take a page out of the way they defended us, which means you got the star. Maybe we double, maybe we trap, maybe we get the ball out of Lucas hands. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but Steph saying that means he might be in the meetings this week being like, yeah, you know, let's get it out of his hands. Now, wait a minute. Do they listen to Steph and Draymond on stuff? Do they, does that happen? This team strategically, <laughs> not the fifteenth man on the roster. Saying, they don't. Not on personnel decisions, but maybe on, <laughs> on court tactics. Look what they did to the Phoenix game. I mean, they just took the ball. Booker wasn't going to beat them, right? The, the Booker was going to get somebody one and a half guys on him at all times. Make Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton shoot the ball, and they did not want to shoot the ball. Now, Warriors got guys who are going to want to shoot the ball, but. That's going to happen. That's Jason Kidd's way to go. And it's pretty good in the NBA, you know, when these pressure games that, that you make the other guys beat you and we'll see if the Warriors have the other guys. I, it's just going to be the same thing we've seen, maybe even multiple. It's Wiggins and Clay. Wiggins and Clay, the other yeah. Wiggins and Clay and Draymond. I mean, it's going to be Draymond. I mean, Draymond didn't shoot the ball a ton in game six, but he, you know, he looked like he wanted to, and that made all the difference. Dallas is going to be begging him to shoot, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. And we'll see if he's aggressive like he was in game six. Again, he wasn't making jump shots, but he makes something to just attack the basket and not try to pass it every single time. I just think it's a huge deal. Dallas averages is averaging 2.5 blocks in this in these playoffs, which is 15 out of 16 teams. And Memphis is at 6.1. Like 
It's just a different animal on the back line. It changes everything. Not just the back line, by the way. Memphis obviously forced the most turnovers in the NBA this season. Dallas was like 22nd. Now, they've got good wing defense. I like Bullock. I like, obviously, Finney Smith's really good wing defender. Kleba's better than people think. He's switchable. That really matters in their five-out scheme. But they don't disrupt, as Marcus has mentioned. It's less steals, less blocks. Like, if you're Draymond now, there was one play that was so surprising. TK, you talked about him being aggressive. He had the ball in the paint against Jaron Jackson. Feet planted, right? No movement, just there. And he puts a shoulder into Jaron Jackson's chest and then goes up and scores the layup. It's like, wait, you've never seen Draymond. <laughs> You'll see Draymond do that, right? But to me, if you can be that aggressive against Jaron Jackson, to me, this is a series where like Draymond can really be aggressive. But I, I do think we saw what happened in Denver and the first three games of the Memphis series is that if Steph and Jordan Poole gets past the first line of defense, they're going to attack the paint. They're just going to they're gonna attack the paint. And the way Memphis changed it was going big and clogging the paint. I just don't know that Dallas can do that. So to me, What's tricky about what's tricky about the Dallas is the same thing that makes the Warriors tricky. It's just multiple guys who can create action, get inside, and once you do that, you can break down a defense. I feel like that's a little bit more open. The real question is, how do they guard Dallas? That that's the tough part, and, and you know, especially at home, where they just make threes at a rate that's just feels crazy. I mean, they they they're averaging more threes than anybody in the playoffs. They're shooting you know, 38%, which is, you know, a decent percentage to me. And, and that's been the Warriors' weakness, right? They just got lit up from three by Memphis. Can they do something about the shooting of Dallas? If they solve that, to me, they solve the, fin- the, the West Finals. Doing something about the shooting is not leaving the shooters, but not leaving the shooters. <laughs> I don't know that they can. <laughs> well, I mean, it's tough because not leaving the shooters generally means like letting Luca do what he wants and like you know I do think that's good that look that was what they did against Jokic generally let let Jokic score he averaged 31 in the series they beat him let Morant score he averaged 38 they were two and one while Morant was there so that will probably be the strategy but you know this is a different level I feel like they keep leveling you know look Jokic is the MVP and everything I just think in the playoffs what Luka does is just the hardest of the three that they face to deal with defending Luka makes Jokic in hindsight looks a lot look a lot easier huh <laughs> yes well also by the way Luka's got more guys who are, who are shooting well right I mean if you know Jokic had his guys had Jamal Murray and you know Porter there it would be different but he did and right now maybe Dallas guys don't sound that impressive but Dinwiddie and Brunson and Lieber and all the rest and Bullock they're hot like they're they're feeling confident so they're stepping into threes confidently. They're they're moving the ball. They're getting into the rim themselves. That's better than anybody Jokic had. If he had those guys, that would be a, would have been a tougher series for the Warriors. And Memphis has decent guys, but Bain really wasn't himself till the end, and they lost Morant. Like you know, you can tick off the reasons why this is a tougher matchup for the Warriors than the other two. And Luca is probably you know a bigger problem for them than any of those guys. Even though Jokic is the MVP, he's just bigger. He's just he hits them at all levels. And they're probably going to let him, uh, you know, shoot some threes because he's so, so dangerous when he gets in the lane. But he might go, you know, eight for, for 11 from three, right? He could do that. He was, wasn't he basically like that in the first half of last game? I mean, yeah, I'm it, taking away threes with him. I, I'm making him drive. Then he's, every then he's time. going to the rim. He's going to the rim. He's scoring. That's but, fine. Yeah. That's fine. He's got to do that seven games. And let's see if his conditioning holds up. 
I would agree with that largely. But their tendency is to give up some threes, right? That's kind of their tendency. Oh, no question, no <laughs> question. We know we know what they do, but yeah, I would. I'm pressing up on him. He's got to drive by. I want to see. I want to see make Luca drive, make him drive for seven straight games, and make him defend for seven straight games. Like that's your best hope. Yeah, and make the other guys make shots, and they're going to make shots, but make them make shots, especially on the road. Let's see if those guys can make shots on the road. You know, they did in Game Seven in Phoenix, but. They didn't really in the other games in Phoenix. You know, they don't always do that where they attack somebody. They kind of did it against Morant, not all the time. Uh, and things changed when they didn't have Morant to attack, obviously, later in that Memphis series. But can, can they just say, we're getting the switch and we're going at Luka. Uh, let's see if they do that. They don't, yeah, do they, they, don't, yeah, they don't do that very much. They just <laughs> They're going to wait till they, till they have to do it. And even with Morant, right, they believe in, and they'll, they'll do this to Luka. It's not the direct attack that we see other teams do. It's the put them in action and let them get lost, right? And then that'll create the looks we want, but not like, head up attack they'll probably do the same with luca just put him in action and you know let's see who you can keep up with and then when it gets dire then you try to go at him like that's that's the words in mo we know we know how they roll by the way this is you know i was listening to nate duncan talk about this but this is a different defensive challenge for luca and not one that he's nearly as comfortable with that like he's a big defender that like if you go at him like in isolation like he can at times hold up a little bit like Harden in that sense where you never really wanted to post up Harden but off ball stretched out to 30 feet the off ball action like that is the type of stuff that's going to tire him out and if it isn't tiring him out it's because he's not trying as hard as he needs to and Jason Kidd has shown he will call Luca out for that and I think that's what kind of turned the last series but I agree I mean we all know that that is going to be their strategy, which is is to tire him out and get him in every action. Yeah, well, I mean, MT has it has it clean. It's like they're going to try to switch him on to Curry, run the action, but don't isolate. Run Curry through the lane again and see if Luca loses him, and then see if Curry's open, you know, in the corner with five seconds left of shot clock. That's the Warriors, right? That's what they do. Sometimes you can counter that, but they're not going to just dribble it out and go right at them. They just they just don't do it that way. Might not wear Luca down as much. We'll see. But it's going to be a long series. I think there's going to be a lot of different things we're going to see all at once. We're not going to see them in game one or game two right away. But it's fascinating. The strategy of this one is more interesting than it would be Phoenix. No question. There's just all these little different intricacies to this one. I'd like to nominate Jordan Poole as the swing player in this series, <laughs> oh, yes, I think. Yes, yes, In the two Dallas games, their final two Dallas games, it was right when he was in that point where he had moved to the bench and wasn't playing well and like we were all kind of like just wondering really about his I guess future this season and if he would rediscover his groove even though Clay Thompson was back he played 19 minutes in a home game went 0 of 7 against the Mavericks in a loss didn't play at all down the stretch I think they played Damian Lee over him that night that was when the Warriors blew that crazy lead and then he had a bad game the next game when they played Minnesota and then they went to Dallas I put it in my article but it's that interview i think everyone kind of remembers from dallas and then the next night in dallas 26 off the bench and that was the start of that streak he scored 17 straight games where he had 20 or more points it's like it is it will probably always be remembered as like the career leap that jordan Poole made it started in dallas um and he is so important to 
what the Warriors need to do offensively, which is alleviate pressure on Steph, right? Jason Kidd is going to go Nick Nurse playbook. You know, he is just going to get the ball out of Steph here, I think. And that means Jordan Poole has to help, has to score, has to uh, facilitate and just have a great offensive series. But he can't be on the floor if he can't survive defensively. So to me, like a lot of this series is about allowing Jordan Poole to survive or, you know, creating an environment that Jordan Poole can survive defensively. And then he's got to do it himself, too. I'm going with Clay. <laughs> it's always Clay. You just like what what did what did Phoenix not have in in that series? Didn't have a second dude who could get buckets. And in Game Seven, they have anybody who could. But if you just, if you if Booker if you put him down for twenty five, who's getting the next twenty? With Dallas, you just have to do that. Like you you have to have another dude being able to make shots and. Like Clay's gonna get him. I, I think Clay's gonna get shots in this series. You, we already know what Jason Kidd is gonna do. Clay's going to get shots in this series. If he makes them, Dallas is gonna have to switch it up. He, so one or two big games from Clay might make the difference in this series. But I, I agree with you. Everything you're saying about Jordan Poole, I think it's correct. But I also think the finisher in a lot of these actions that's either started by Steph or started by Jordan Poole is gonna be Clay Thompson. To me, he's going to be the difference maker. If he has a bad game, like, you know, some of them games he had in <laughs> a couple of them games where he's, like, forcing shots, I don't think they I don't think they have a shot. Shot turnovers. He's got to shoot the ball. You call them shot yeah. turnovers. <laughs> Maybe his worst game of the season was that Dallas game. Uh, he had just – he was just coming off being sick. He had missed the, the previous two games, and he came back. And remember he hit the side of the backboard on a jumper. He airballed a couple shots. Luca like put him on the ground basically on a dribble move and Clay killed himself post game. He's like, I can't be airballing, shooting the ball off the side of the backboard. And that was the reason they lost that game because part of the, you know, when they were trapping Steph and it was getting to Clay, he was just clanking everything. He's got to play D too, by the way, right? He's got to like, there's, he's going to be matched up with, you know, whether it's Finney Smith or Brunson or somebody who's going Brunson, to be, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> like, you can't, you, you have to guard him. Like you can't just be out there. And sometimes he's guarded well in the playoffs. Sometimes he's not, he's, you know, he's letting guys drive past him. There's no question. Brunson would be a really tough matchup for him, but if Clay can just hang in there, that would be gigantic. And the shooting you imagine. Do you don't think Brunson might be, but like Brunson is going down to the block, man. Like Brunson is trying to be physical. I, I feel like quickness is bothering. But he's not yeah, starting. He's not, on the block. He's not. Yeah, he's starting up top, and then he's you know he's attacking, and so those are tough for Clay. Those are tough for Clay right now. Brunson's hard to guard by anybody, but if that's who it, Clay ends up guarding, it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, and they just got those guys that are you know Dinwiddie does the same thing. He goes inside outside. Like these are tough guys to deal with when they go five out. There's just there's just so much space out there. You guys are right. I'm cool and, and Clay are great key aspects. I'm gonna say Wiggins though, because he's gonna be guarding Doncic and he's gonna be a guy who's gonna get shots too. We talk about guys getting shots. He's gonna get shots. Like there's gonna be a game where he should take 15 shots. Will he take the 15 shots and will he make seven of them? And will three of those be three? I just think he's he's such a tilter for the Warriors. You don't you know you don't see him. You don't really count on him. You don't think of him. And then he shows up like he did in Game Six or He's terrible, like some other game. Although he really hadn't been terrible, as we've said, this whole postseason, kind of a couple iffy games. But when he's good, they're tough to beat. Like, they are tough to beat when Wiggins is hitting a couple threes. He's playing great on defense. He's getting deflections. He's rebounding the ball. 
And if we all feel like they're going to go small, which I think this is going to be the majority of the game for both teams, Wiggins is their four. He's their power four. He's going to be in a lot of action just both ways because he's going to be having a scrap for balls with Draymond. I just think Wiggins is going to be gigantic in the series. So are we getting the small – are we getting the lineup back, <laughs> the one with no name? The one with <laughs> – Is the lineup going to earn its name this series? <laughs> it will play together, <laughs> but unless Dallas starts Kleba or goes smaller than that, I think Looney starts, especially after Looney's game six, because Powell starts. But I think Powell's – I think you just match up Looney's minutes with Powell's minutes in this series and then go small otherwise. And, you know, sometimes that's pool. Porter will be on the floor, obviously. If I'm Dallas, I take Powell out of the series because I think playing Powell is such a favorite of the Warriors. I, we'll see. And they can't play Kleber 40, you know, 40 minutes. But, yeah, he's going to play most of the time, and the Warriors can match. I mean, they can play – I think Porter is a good matchup for Kleber, actually. Like, that's what the Warriors would be aiming for. So maybe not small, small, but yeah, Powell isn't going to be a huge part of this against the Warriors, and Looney might not be either. We'll, we'll see. Just the way these series go, right? They, they, they end up going smaller and smaller, except for when the Warriors go big in game six, and they completely startle me with it. I just don't see that. Like, they needed Looney when it was Adams and Jackson, and Dallas has nobody like that. <laughs> you know, they have nobody like that. The need for Looney to be scrapping isn't going to be that big. They're going to go small. Again, it might be Porter depending on how healthy that foot is, but it's going to be a lot of the small lineup too. The, the lineup that, that should not be named <laughs> doesn't deserve to be named at this point. It got destroyed in game six in the, in the little they played. It just got walloped. They had to go with Looney. They just needed to be bigger and they will get their chance again in this series. So they ha- you're going to have to, because you're going to need to put as much scoring as you can against Alex. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm finishing up this... uh piece on Steph I feel like this is a series where Steph's got to get loose but also at the same time he's been really good in fourth quarters like he's kind of salvaging some of these off nights with big fourth quarters how do you think Steph is playing and with the way Dallas is going to defend him is is that enough that's the problem what you're saying like I don't think Jason Kidd's gonna let him you know 
Jason Kidd spent that entire fourth quarter in Dallas doubling him at every opportunity. And like Steph didn't take zero shots in 12 fourth quarter minutes because he just wanted to, you know, pass it off. It's because Moses Moody's guy, but by the way, that same fourth quarter, Moses Moody had like 15 points. He was hitting, uh, you know, because he was just getting wide open shots. Because Jason Another Kidd guy we might see this series. Yeah, yep. There was, there was talk about playing him in game six, by the way. It didn't happen, but there was talk about playing him. There's a guy who can step into shots. Like, will he be afraid to take a shot? And they don't think he would be afraid to take a shot. And I don't think he'd be afraid to take a shot. Well, we know they're watching tape of the, the Dallas matchups. And if they watch that game, he's impressive in it. But my to Marcus's question, I just don't think Dallas is going to let him like get off. Now, you might win off the attention that Curry draws, especially if the other guys are doing what they need to do. I just I don't think it's going to be some Luca on one end, Steph on the other, like one-on-one matchups. Boom, 40 points for each. I just don't think Dallas will allow it. And Steph's like, it better not be Luca on one end and <laughs> and not me on the other. And Wiggins, if Luka Wiggins has Wiggins. to beat them, yeah. then make Reggie Bullock beat yes, us. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's going to happen. I mean, again, you know, we'll see. And then and Steph can get shots. You know, he's going to have to work the offense, as we always say. They're going to have to do some things to get him free from some of the. It might not be straight double teaming. It's going to be blitzing. It's going to be trying to take the ball out of his hands. But he'll find a spot like he like he has throughout the playoffs, like he has in the fourth quarter. Like defenses get tired, they don't quite rotate as tightly, and you know they lose a little focus, and that's when he's you know kind of sprung to life and and hit those shots that are just a little bit freer. He's missed some open shots in the playoffs, so not so much the last few games. I imagine there's a big Steph game coming. I mean, sometimes they just happen, even if the defense is tilted all the way to him. There were big Steph games in the Toronto series. Like the, sh- the shooting percentage wasn't great, but what he scored 40 a couple times in that series, I think they're there. And I just think he's like, I would count on him being able to, to break it down more than Jordan Poole at this point. We'll see. I think there's a good game from Poole coming, but I think it's there. You know, these are big moments. I think they'll take it, TK. The Jordan Poole big games early. (laughs) Games one through three. Yep. I think they'll take it. Oh, Warriors? Absolutely. I mean, game one was he was huge, and that was the whole Memphis series practically. Like that that changed the whole series, winning game one with Draymond thrown out, and Jordan Poole was fantastic in that. And if you take it, okay, get us one, Jordan. Get us one. (laughs) We'll take the other three. You get us one. It's not coincidental how Poole's two series have gone either because – both coaches said it, both opposing coaches said it within the series because of how good Poole was in one, two, three. Mike Malone had to change up his defense, throw more attention at Poole, put Aaron Gordon on him. Like that was a large part of their game plan by the middle of the series. Taylor Jenkins said the same thing because of how good Poole was early. They had to switch up their scheme. And that's the best thing Poole could do for the Warriors is like, even if he's not as good as the series kind of fades, if he just makes it so Jason Kidd can't obsess over Steph Curry all series, that's a huge deal. And get loose a little bit. I guess get loose a little bit. Doesn't have to like put up 14, 18, 20 shots a game, but just get loose, be dangerous. Couple dr- those drives. Don't turn it over as much. And I don't think he will. Memphis just, Memphis just causes that. That's what he's there for. He's there for the other threat. He's there for the other challenge and make sure that they have action going on that doesn't have to involve Steph all the time. That's what Kurt always says, right? Just those two guys, another ball handler, alternate ball handler. And that's what he's there for. And sometimes you got to score in that, in that realm, but mostly to be a threat, mostly, you know, move the defense a little bit. Uh, and that's fine. And they will take it again, one good game, two good games, and then threaten the defense for the rest. I think they'll take that out of the pool. That would be huge if they got that from pool. Yeah. I think, uh, 
where pool to me is gonna be huge is the driving. Like if if you look at the two series that Dallas played, the success any success Utah had was because they just they just drove. They would get uh, Luca on the island and drive past him. I think in the first series. I think it was Dallas and Utah had the most drives in the first round. It's like 350-something. Phoenix just can't. They couldn't drive. They don't have dudes who do that. <laughs> they don't. Like, in that, you got to be able to break down that Dallas defense. Uh, you got to be able to get past Bullock, get past Dorian Finney-Smith, get past uh, uh, Spencer Denwood. You got to be able to do that to, to beat them. So, to me, that's where Jordan comes in is while they're paying all this attention to, to Steph, is him attacking and, and attacking. And that's the thing that Jordan does does that like Clay doesn't do. Is like get downhill, get into the teeth of the defense and kick it out. That that's how you do it. Uh Phoenix had two hundred and seventy five drives in seven games against Dallas. And Utah had three hundred and forty three in six games against Dallas. That's what that defense is vulnerable to. So players you know, I also think He's not a driver, but I also think that's where Kaminga comes in too, right? Just somebody get downhill, downhill. If it's, you know, Draymond can do it, Kaminga, Curry, and, 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 and Poole driving, like all of that is attacking that Dallas defense. You got to make make those dudes work in that way. So t- Poole, I think, is going to be big. The question, though, is I'm thinking, like, what's the adjustment they're going to make? You know, Aaron Gordon was the guy that's guarding staff and being physical, and you got to switch Aaron Gordon over to Poole. Like, however they start on Poole, what's the adjustment? They're going to start doubling Poole? They, they don't have dudes like Aaron Gordon. I would just mean you don't maybe just, like, tilt everything. You know, to me, where the adjustment would come is if, let's say, at game one, fourth quarter, Jason Kidd goes crazy, like, you know, doubling Steph at, you know, Nick Nurse style, essentially. And he keeps slinging it over his shoulder at half court, and suddenly it's just wide open. Jordan pool three, Jordan pool to the rack. Jordan pool goes on an eight zero run or something like that. Jason Kidd goes, eh, let's back out of that. You know what I mean? That's the adjustment. That's the option. Yeah. So who do you think is it? Bullock on Curry and Finney Smith on on Clay to start. How how they start? I'd go Finney Smith on on Steph. Yeah, yeah, might be, might be, and just the the best guy. But Bullock played Paul great, by the way. He played Paul tremendously in the end of the series. But yeah, the, the fact is they got two of those guys they could throw at him. Brunson goes. Paul had hamstring, though. Yeah, that's true. And Brunson, Quad. Yeah, Brunson goes to the, <laughs> to the third. <laughs> it's a Pat Beverly talking here, too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's good. You know, they, they can mix and match with that. You know, We'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, I, I think the Warriors are going to need Jordan Poole and stuff on the floor together a lot. And, and they're going to have to figure that out defensively because there's going to be some weakness there. But they're going to need those two threatening the Dallas defense because we know what they're going to do to Steph. And if the ball comes to Wiggins and he won't shoot, if the ball comes to Draymond, he won't shoot. If Clay isn't isn't shooting well, and that's when we've seen this bog down. That that's when we've seen the Warriors' offense hit the wall. They're going to need an alternate to that. Their alternate to that is 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 an, is an aggressive Jordan Poole. And when Jordan Poole's out there, he's usually aggressive offensively. That's what he is. You know, it's going to be the key to the series. Maybe I need to retweet the story. Defending the corner three, oh, baby. Yeah, no question. No question. Dorian Finney-Smith <laughs> yeah. takes almost 50% of his threes from the corner. 
And Bullock is like 45% from the corners. And like 40% of his threes come from the corner. To me, you shut down a corner three, you take out a oh, major Oh, come on. We know the Warriors automatically shut that down. And they down. will not. They shut automatic at that. They're just so good at locking down the corner. Corner three is going to decide this series. Weak side, the weak side corner three, they're so good at that. They're just so yeah, we'll see. That they're going to give some of those up. That's we we mentioned before. They just they do that. They they have so much help side sensibility. They always want to help. They always want to help inside, and the ball pops over their heads and goes to the outside, and somebody's open in the corner. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's it's just skill. But I think early on there's going to be some open threes, and we'll see if if Dallas can hit them. Yeah, they're going to make all of them. Just so you know, <laughs> just so they're going to going to make every one of them. It's a story in this series. Pace. Dallas is the slowest moving team in the league purposefully. Um, you know, they were 30th in pace this season. The Warriors are not, although, you know, maybe their reputation is like, you know, run, gun, you know, threes and everything. They're middle of the pack from a pace perspective, but Steve Kerr likes them moving, um, especially Draymond, right? You know, get the rebound and go. And I just think that's going to be a, that's going to be an emphasis early in this series. Like it needs to be played, not, you know, glacially. That's what that's what the Warriors want. Whereas Dallas is going to try to just slow this thing down, grind it. Oh, the Warriors can get the rebound and throw it away too, pretty good. That's they're really good at that. Uh, but I think that was you know exaggerated by Memphis's defense. They just didn't want to play against Memphis's half court defense, so they were just frantic trying to throw the ball ahead, and it was crazy. Those were, cr- I mean, they were crazy in the game six too. Like this, those throw aheads at, at at people's feet where there wasn't a huge advantage, but that's them. That's part of what they do. They, they're careless with the ball. They can be mindless, as a Warriors figure said to me. Like, maybe that's their new thing, be mindless, because some of those passes are just insane, but some of those shots are insane, and they make some of them. Some of these things are pulled off. So a quick question for you guys. Uh, tomorrow is will be two weeks since uh, GP2 hurt his um, elbow, and Game 4 of the series would be three weeks out. I'm curious if you think, I mean, if you think there's a chance that GP2 makes a return this series at some point, probably the back half, if any, and whether or not can he get some time on Luka? Well, first of all, they're not ruling it out, which is notable. He's clearly like... In a- that, that brace looks crazy, though, right? That brace looks like he ain't coming back till 2025. It does, although <laughs> somebody called him, what, Winter Soldier. Maybe he comes back yeah, right on. <laughs> the club he's gonna go out there clubbing people he did his interview yesterday he did an interview he was not wearing the brace in it now i don't know if that's just hey he did like a workout or some type of rehab where he had it off and he was about to put it back on maybe but he had it off yesterday i think he's gonna obviously push i mean we kind of know he has somewhat of that like hungry psychotic mindset where i think the earliest possible point where they say you know what you could you could theoretically get on the court he's like okay he's gonna do that yeah. <laughs> um, but if they're down three two and and we're to that point or something like that then you could see him and like luca's giving him fits but if they're ahead in this series if they're controlling the series i do think everyone organizationally peyton included is targeting the finals the only way I think you see him in this series is if they're in danger of not making the finals and he is physically able. They could use the bodies, right? This is going to be every other day now. And they're down bodies. We'll see about Iguodala. doesn't sound like he's too coming back too soon. And if he does come back, how long he could last since it's been in and out. 
but like they're down some bodies and they're not and then they talked about it after one game six like they they're not young and they could use time off and they're not going to get a ton of it they could use just to extend that rotation a little bit and you know they're leaning on guys they might have to lean them on them early in this series they could use i mean i don't know whether that's Kaminga or that's moody or that's getting gp2 back for just some minutes at the end but they could use a porter how much can they lean on him they need extra playable guys and Peyton maybe for six and seven could give them five, eight minutes of good defense that gives someone else a rest. I, I'm looking at that saying they're not young and every other day is a lot of flights and a lot of wear and tear. That's already built up a lot of wear and tear, played 11 games so far. I do think they need some extra guys in this rotation as this series goes on. You know who's been okay in pre- past Dallas matchups? JTA and I'm not I don't think they're gonna bust him out of uh you know I think this is a series though if you do it is like that's the thing like it's not a size series yeah go get Kleber take him out take Kleber out you could do something like that well he actually's guarded Luca in the past but I don't know anyway probably going too deep down the rabbit hole with that. <laughs> so uh Steve is back you know, obviously, you know they're gonna, obviously everyone's gonna say Mike Brown did great. Mike Brown is great, right? But what? How does that change things having Steve back on the sidelines? And I know in the past it felt more like I don't remember it being like this. Oh, when Steve's coming back, the last time he was out, right? I mean, but they had Durant; they were a machine. <laughs> it's a little bit different. What is the impact of having Steve Kerr back on the sideline? I think he's got a, a, just a feel for this. So, but he was like having a feel for it when he was out. Like he told, I was surprised he told Mike Brown before game five, if this gets out of hand, don't chase it. Like he's telling him we might get blown out. Yes, Take that was guys. wild, like, right? Wow. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> amazing. Like he's, he's in advance saying we're likely to get blown out here. So when in that event, we're down 50, take take everybody out. Like he, he has a feel for this. I mean, some people think he, you know, he overreads some things maybe, but I think he does have a, a, a real feel for especially Steph, Clay, Draymond, just where their attitude, where their mood is, where their energy level is. So even more of that is good. Even, you know, with him right there, feeling it instead of reading it from afar is good. The conversation is good. The set, you know, and like he yells at him. You know, I, I'm sure Mike gets on him, but he can't get on him like Steve can get on him. When they're throwing the ball around and, and, and messing up, like he gets on, they, they do look to him for that stuff. So that's big. It's all. It's always big to have your leading voice. So Mike Brown is an amazing resource for them to have that he can step right in and do this. This is incredible luxury for a team to have, and they will miss you saying it. Mike Brown ain't cousin out <laughs> Steph Curry. Probably for not. Probably not. <laughs> I didn't see any broken uh, clipboards going on uh, in, in that game, and God knows there could have been. But he's their guy. He's the voice. He's the one that that, that you know that they all listen to. Sometimes they love it, sometimes they don't, but that that's big. And in a in a tactical tough series, you want your lead guy. You know, he's not texting Mike Brown if he's out to say, hey, here's switch up our defense on Luca, right? He's gonna be in there. He's doing it. This is big again. By what percentage, by what margin? Impossible to tell. Mike Brown's really good. But I just think it was amazing. He was coaching the team stylistically and in, in, in attitude wise from afar. K five, pull them, get those guys out of there. That's this pretty is amazing. the Zoom era, good sir. Yeah. Could, we, we could all do anything we want from afar. Beeping, beeping in. Oh, by the way. Oh, wait a minute. I, I I'm gonna got a substitute here. Uh, oh yeah. Oh okay. Uh, Clay and Steph, you're out. It was amazing. It was amazing. You know they have laptops and stuff on the bench. Could you Facetime them in? No. The, well, I, I've been told you can't have contact. You can't do that. No, no electronic contact. Okay. No electric contact. Even from even from the locker room. 
Uh, That's you the future, by the way. <laughs> Coaching um, via remote. I think some of those Memphis games, Kerr might be in favor of that, even when he's feeling just fine. But uh, I, I'll pass on that. I think the biggest, one of the biggest things it does is it just bumps Mike Brown into the responsibilities that he's hired for and has always done, which is like focus your entire day on defensive schemes and rotation patterns, particularly defensive schematics. Whereas Marcus, remember walking into um, shoot around in Memphis before game five. And it's like, you know, Mike Brown is over there having a long conversation with Bob Myers. Then he gets up and like Mike Dunleavy needs to talk to him. Then Raymond Ritter's coming over because, hey, you're about to do an interview with the media. This is the the points that these are the questions that will probably be asked, whatever. These are the injury updates. And then he's coming over and he's doing a 20-minute session with reporters and then other reporters want to talk to him because it's like, you know, he's suddenly become one of the major stories of the series. And I remember just chatting with him after, briefly after one of the his media sessions, I think it was a pregame one, and he's just like, you know, suddenly he, he he was basically like, man, I can't wait for Steve to be back. So basically he can get to doing the job that he's supposed to do for this team, which is like just spend your day scheming up instead of doing the CEO stuff, the front facing organizational stuff. I just think because what he had to do in Steve's absence, it stripped away a very valuable like tactical coach because he couldn't really be that as much. Hey, God knows he's pouring everything he has into this situation, but he's also putting together a staff and and and, re, and taking over a new basketball team. So, I mean, that's got to be part of his thing. And again, not taken away from what he's doing for the Warriors, but that has to be somewhat on his mind. Kerr mentioned that. Like, this guy just got a new job. He's coaching the Sacramento Kings. It's it's a lot on his plate. He, again, it's a it's an amazing resource to have. And I don't know what they would have done without him, but I was thinking, like, what if Mike Brown – also got COVID. Who who would be the coach then? I guess Kenny Atkinson. I you know what? Definitely who knows? Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, but it's just you start to realize how that. Dang it! Is. I was rooting for Demarco. Demarco taking over. DeMar- Bruce, Fra- Bruce Frazier taking over. Come on now. Actually, Andre Iguodala. <laughs> Andre Iguodala taking over. Please. By the way, did he Locked have on up. a funeral suit at the game? No, Andre. He was dressed in all black. Maybe. Andre. He did he a, a white Jackson. shirt. So Mark Jackson, remember Mark Jackson, Game Seven. He had on black suit, black tie with the white shirt. I guess that's more MLK than it is a few. Yeah, I think he was just looking, <laughs> looking sleek, just looking sleek. I don't think it was a funeral suit. Maybe ask him about it. He might say. I do think Mike Brown's duties are going to be especially important when you're trying to defend Luca. So <laughs> that's a pretty big deal this series. Yeah, like Mike Brown doesn't want to do like off day Zoom calls with. 25 reporters where zooms are being interrupted and stuff like that. Like he just would rather watch Luca tape, I think. And probably, you know, like Tim mentioned, I mean, at least some part of his brain has to be on the Sacramento Kings job. It is like a massive undertaking that he's about to, you know, he's probably trying to think about that as little as possible, but just adding all the head coach, dude. He's got assistant coaches calling him to hook on the staff. Like that just happens. Oh, man. Can happens. you imagine his phone? Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God. So, again, people get worried. Oh, no, he's being straight. This happens, right? This happens every year. Coaches talk about other jobs. They, you know, this is not a new thing. Guys get other jobs. Luke Walton was the Lakers coach. Well, he finished out the season with the Warriors. Was it 2016? I think it was. This happens. But it's just like when you become the interim coach, acting coach, this is like another thing to be piled on. And you have to talk to us. Like that's, you know, how horrendous is that? That's, that, that is a torture for anybody. His Zoom call, but this would have been before game six, was enjoyable for me. 
but yeah, Steve relies on him for that rotation sheet. My God, I mean, that is like Mike puts it together, like with Steve's input, obviously. But Mike's the one who writes down the shifts, and Kerr sometimes goes directly by it, sometimes moves off of it. But it's the basis for how they play guys. And God knows, you know, you know me, I pay attention to rotation. Mike Brown sets that up. And then they work within that. That's really important for this team. And it's going to be, you know, as they go deeper and deeper against better teams, tougher situations, it's incredibly important for Kerr not to have to be the guy writing it all down, just be able to work through it. And that's Mike Brown. Going to be a fun series, fellas. We will be with you many times after every game on Words All 82. You'll just, you'll just hear a lot from us over these next couple of weeks. Until then... We will holler at you after game one, Wednesday night at Chase Center. Omaha, Omaha. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.